0: Welcome to the Explaining Albania podcast with me, Alice Taylor. In this episode, I'm talking to Taulant Bino from the Albanian Ornithological Society. We'll be discussing birds, conservation, the Divyaka National Park, and what we can do as citizens and residents to help preserve the world around us. Hi, Taulant, thank you for joining us on the Explaining Albania podcast. It's a pleasure to be able to interview you. I've been following the work that uh, the AOS does for quite some time, as I come from a family of bird lovers and wildlife lovers, and I grew up in a place in England that was really thriving with this sort of wildlife. Taulant, could you take a moment just to introduce yourself, and to introduce the AOS, and to explain a bit about what it is that you do?
1: Well, thank you. I'm an ornithologist by background as I've been studying birds for all my life now after the university studies. So I hold a PhD on ecology and evolution, but was more focused on water birds mainly at that time. And since my 20 years have passed, uh, since I've done my PhD, I've been keeping on working on conservation of birds in Albania. And otherwise, this is my background, but I've been also involved in uh, decision-making in the, in the past, representative of Ministry of Environment. And now I'm a lecturer at Polish University, and we also work for bird conservation and conservation of their critical habitats together with AOS, the Albanian Ornithological Society. The Albanian Ornithological Society was found in 2015 by a group of bird enthusiasts that wanted to have an NGO specifically working on bird conservation and conservation of their critical habitats. This is an NGO composed by different backgrounds, biologists for sure, urban planners, people uh, working on environmental studies, but we are supported by a whole range of, of professions, like enterprise managers etc journalists etc et, et so this is a large background of the ngo but all the people work for the same goal which is conservation of birds and their critical habitats
0: and you said you studied sort of through university you did a phd in this area what was it that sort of enticed you to pursue this as a field of study what age were you what made you think ah you know i, I want to work towards conserving the environment and the habitat and the species of birds.
1: In, indeed, I, I went for first in France for a, a small stage with a team of ornithologists and after working a few months with them, we together decided that it was time to continue with other studies in France and I did my master's degree first and then it was followed up with a PhD study. I, it was I was in my environment, I went studying there for birds and, and then those studies continued with uh, with master's degree and, and PhD. I had no dilemma on doing this thing and uh, because I was already in nature, uh, in nature protection, nature conservation, bird conservation, and we together with my, uh, let's say, advisors or people that were supervisors, we decided to, to continue with the bird studies in Albania. And the PhD subject was the importance of Albania for water birds. First, we collected uh, information about wintering and breeding water birds in Albania, all over. And then we concentrated in Tivyaka Karavasta National Park, as an area which is well known for bird importance, where we did study the breeding birds and the factors influencing their breeding success, in order to provide uh, ideas and measures for conservation of water birds in that particular park but all over wetlands of Albania.
0: I'm interested, did you as a child, were you interested in birds? Is this where your career came from?
1: Well, we were living somehow at the edge of the city so we were very much connected to nature and the place where I lived used to be nearby villages so we were surrounded by somehow human-made nature but also nature and since kids we were a large group that were interested in in wildlife in general but at that time i was most mostly interested on on insects because insects perhaps they stay near closer to you and you can can trap them you can manipulate them you could look at them more closely (laughs) yeah while for birds you need certain optical equipments that we didn't have at the time. So my first interest was on on insects, and I kept that interest going for for a long time until I went to university, and in university, I I did my diploma on moths, and we were studying the fluctuation of uh, moths density in the botanical park in Tirana. So for three years, I was looking on insects. At the time, I was really good in insects because I knew I had general knowledge on it. But after that, when I was assigned as a employee of the Faculty of Natural Sciences and Museum of Natural Sciences, we went on and there was a post of ornithologist that was empty or absent. Then I went there, I applied for this post, and then I continued with ornithological studies. So my interest was in nature in general, in insects first, and then birds slowly, slowly. So I started with insects, then with, with nature, and uh, when I started with birds also, I understood immediately that it was a kind of a new passion, and somehow I liked it more than entomology, because insects you try to be focused in two meters surrounding you, while with birds you look at the landscape, etc., and I thought it was a little bit better. Although it was still biology, etc.
0: And the AOS, how many members are there? And can you give me an idea of sort of the main activities that the AOS does, sort of on a regular basis?
1: Yeah, AOS uh, is an, an NGO that has, for sure, a staff. But you are asking for membership, and the membership it's uh, it's, it's quite large. Quite large compared. No, compared with Albania, because NGOs in Albania do not tend to be very, very large in general. This, let's say, environmental activism, it's still new in Albania compared with other countries. And we had uh, a past that was difficult to be organized in such, uh, such systems. And therefore, it's still difficult for an NGO to collect many, many members. But I I don't have seen the statistics recently. But we should be more than two two hundred members of the NGO, and those members are bird lovers, students, uh, activists, etc. The NGO is focused on several activities, but our main focus is what could we do for the protection of birds and their critical habitats, and we do that through several several ways. Let's say first of all. Raising public awareness and uh, public. When I say raising public awareness, it's raising it at different levels, at public at large, but also at uh, at people making policies or decision making, and we try to work with them in order to uh, mainstream biodiversity conservation in policies and decision making. And sometimes we have been quite successful with that. So we work on that uh, way public awareness, lobbying, advocacy also. Recently, we were involved uh, more particularly in the case of uh, the Divyaka Karavasta National Park that was threatened under a large tourism project. And we managed to be together with our partners, etc., national and international, we managed to be quite successful in, in stopping that kind of development that was very harmful for the for the park and biodiversity in general. And we reach those goals of raising awareness, measuring biodiversity conservation and policy and decision making through bird monitoring, bird studies, and bird bird education. So this is more or less the focus of uh, work of a AOS since the very beginning.
0: And perhaps you could explain for our listeners who are not sort of very well versed on birds. Can you give me and and tell me a bit about some examples of birds which are living in Albania, that are maybe perhaps under threat, that we should be sort of more actively protecting?
1: Yeah, uh, Albania is a small country, but due to uh, its relief and its geographical position, shelters a lot of species compared with the size of the country. So overall in Albania there are around 350 bird species. Most of them are are regularly observed, so I think that 330 are regularly observed and the rest, some 20, are observed rarely. Some are vagrants also. So this is a large richness for such a small country and it comes due to uh, relief, biodiversity in general habitats, landscape, etc. Among those species, there are species that are threatened or endangered either internationally or locally. Sometimes both designations fit. So you might have a species that is endangered at international or global level, but also at local level, and sometimes they do not. And therefore, I would suggest some species that might be threatened at international level and some others that are threatened still at national level and maybe i have to mention here most of the species we are working with and first of all it's the egyptian vulture which is a globally endangered species with uh, very few breeding pairs in albania compared with the uh, with the past and it's a species that is has known a negative trend since many many years with numbers being reduced all over the balkans and, and for sure in albania and we work with the species Uh, for the conservation of its habitats. We do monitoring for the species, but we do also a lot of public awareness. And knowing that the problem that uh, the vultures most face is poisoning, we work also on anti-poisoning activities like policy-making, anti-poisoning roadmap, and also uh, undertaking uh, real uh, field field activities. This is one of the species, uh, and this work has been particularly, it's sometimes difficult because it's not an easy species. It lives in very hot areas and you have to be there in, uh, in the in hot summer. But still it's satisfactory because it could provide certain results and you feel that you are part of a large uh, effort all over the country and all over the Balkans and all over the, let, let's say, the, the range countries to help for the safeguard of the species and help the species from being extinct. Another species we are working with uh, is the Dalmatian pelican, uh, which is uh, breeding in the Divyaka Carabastá National Park. It's the only colony we have, and we have been engaged there since many, many years with monitoring activities and, and, and uh, safeguard activities or protective activities. And therefore, due to the efforts we have been undertaking with other partners, uh, and mostly with local authorities, uh, authorities for the uh, regional authorities for protected areas. We have been successful and now the pelican has uh, arrived at up to 85 breeding pairs. Compared with, uh, with with the past, this is a large increase and it's the, the first time since uh, the 90s that the colony exceeds the number of 80 breeding pairs. Since the 80s that uh, the colony exceeds the number of 80 breeding pairs. And this is quite unique as an action and, and quite uh, uh, successful and, uh, and quite strong as, an, as, an, uh, as, as a message. Those are the species we, we work the most, but we are also responsible for undertaking monitoring of wintering water birds. So We provide data on wintering birds in Albania, water birds in Albania. And also we have been the focal point for the European Breeding Bird Atlas for Albania where we provided information about breeding, breeding birds, uh, uh, about populations uh, breeding bird populations in Albania. Uh, so we work on a lot of species, but those two species that I mentioned in particular are the species that we look uh, very, very careful at.
0: You mentioned earlier about Divyaka and it being under threat. Um, could you explain a little bit more about what was planned and the work you did and, and sort of how that's looking for the future?
1: Well, Divyaka, it's, it's a national park called Divyaka Karavasta National Park. In the past, it used to, to be called uh, the uh, Karavasta Nature Reserve. It was designated as a park in... And also Divyaka uh, and the forest pine forest of Divyaka was a national park, but it was a, a very small surface. I think it was just 1,200 hectares. And t- in 2005, it was designated as a national park with a large area about 23,000 hectares under this this park there there is there are a lot of different habitats and species and for sure it's one of the best known places for 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 birds in albania with the number of species recorded up to now to 262 which is more than two-thirds of the birds observed over albania and with large quantities of uh, wintering birds mostly water birds because they use wetlands of Divyaka Karavasta and also with large quantities of breeding birds especially the colonies that we have there colonies of herons, cormorants and uh, gulls and terns. So this is a quite a unique place in Albania and very well known. It is therefore considered cold, it's designated as a Ramsar site, it's the first Ramsar site for Albania, so wetlands of international importance. Mm -hmm. It's an important bird area since many many years. It's a key biodiversity area for Albania. It has been designated as a candidate site for Emerald List, so to be protected under Bern Convention, and also a pilot site for the Natura 2000 net, network, so the, net, the future network of protected areas for, for Europe. Uh, all these designations came because of its diversity, and when a project uh, came in the Viaca that uh, wanted to develop massive tourism it was for sure a threat because considered as a threat against this unique biodiversity and we as ngo aos we reacted quite strongly we we reacted strongly and we tried to convince in this fight also other ngos by saying them that if we lose Divyaka we have lost the stronghold of biodiversity in Albania and therefore any other intervention in other uh, important bird areas or other key biodiversity areas would be very, very easy. And therefore, we all together worked for the conservation of Divyanka Karabasta. And the the threat was, as I said, uh, a tourism development uh, plan, they called it, but it was in turn indeed a project, building uh, a new city at the heart of Divyaka National Park with 18,000 visitors per day, while Divyaka has about 10,000 people, so much, let's say, twice stronger, twice bigger than than, than Divyaka. Uh and with large buildings that would create problems for biodiversity in general, for habitats, for birds, etc., and also other interventions that were uh, changing the the coast, coastal line, uh, or the uh, geomorphology of the of the of the place, and this was very risky for birds, but also for wildlife in general. And if it's for wildlife, then it's it's also for economical uh, econ- economical perspective. So at first looked as something great, but then it lost its, it could lose its value very very fast. Models similar to to this are. Elsewhere in Albania, like in Golem, in Durres, and we everybody knows that this is not a great area for biodiversity. So we reacted, reacted strongly with other national and uh, international NGOs, and somehow our campaign was successful. We we challenged the any kind of decision making done in different in different levels. We worked with international organizations to create a kind of network and to raise awareness. And uh, we provided always arguments against the uh, so-called beautiful things that were proposed under that plan. We were not against development in general because development is still needed, but we are in favor of sustainable plans and not unsustainable plans and Divyaka Karavasta resort was a totally uns- an unsustainable plan, and we were against it.
0: Is this project completely off the table now, or is there any chance that it could um, appear again in the future?
1: I believe that it's off the table. This project, it's off the table, because the Strategic Investment Committee, which uh, guides its strategic investments in Albeda and is headed by the Prime Minister, decided against it due to biodiversity concerns. Although they said to the investor that you might come with another proposal, I believe that it was somehow a no. And uh, this proposal, I don't think it is viable anymore, but others might come. But nevertheless, even if others might come, they have to come with kind of a first step being achieved by NGOs, which is the reaction, the arguments that we have given. So any project that might come in Dibyaka should take into account that there is information about the richness of this area and the biodiversity importance, and not only national, but also international. So it was uh, an important step, although it's not the end. It's just a, a fight, but the war is not finished and it will go on forever. And now, unfortunately, there are other plans in the area, but uh, but also in the coastal area in general, which are mm-hmm. somehow hidden under the 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 term of strategic investments that might mm-hmm. might be not uh, in compliance with the objectives for the protected areas at the coastal area, and there are risky investments that are being uh, seen or proposed here and there. But we are always vigilant, at least for Divyaka. We follow these very, very carefully and we react when we when we can and when we hear, hear something new.
0: It's, it's interesting because you're talking about sustainability and I, I completely agree and there is a need, I mean, tourism is important to Albania you know? yeah. and especially the coastal areas. But I believe, personally, sustainability and the protection of these areas is more important than tourism. But how do you see the need for facilitating tourism in Albania and the protection of these areas working together? How Can you explain a bit more about how developments in Divyaka could be achieved whilst being sustainable and protecting the wildlife there?
1: I'm not saying something new, it's also something that fortunately is written in the general Plan uh, gen- general, let's say territorial plan for Albania, where the the advice, or it's not a suggestion, it's also a standard decided uh, decided there, that development in coastal areas should be focused on the existing urban areas rather than open new one, and uh, using the opportunity provided by protected areas for enriching that kind of development, but in urban areas. So, for the case of Divyaka, I could say that the idea is to develop tourism facilities in Divyaka itself, rather than at the heart of the park, and use Divyaka as a a center that goes and spreads activities all over over the park. And this is a kind of sustainable. Tourism because it does not destroy new habitats and new and important habitats and, and, and uh, then disturb species etc. This kind of idea it's written in the uh, general territorial plan and it's obvious it's good for 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 development but unfortunately with uh, decision makers sometimes planning is one thing and their decision is another another thing and the case of the Viaca was exactly this one where they wanted, somehow, they, they were supported because they did, never gave a permit for that. But they were somehow supporting the idea of building a new city at the heart of the national park while leaving Divyaka, while forgetting Divyaka and forgetting the people of, of mm-hmm. Divyaka itself. The idea is to have such developments in the city. The idea is to, to have that kind of tourism that does not destroy the park, but could mm-hmm. make profit from the park richness. And such models already exist in Divyaka with uh, guest houses, etc. And this model could be for the future of it. Other areas that do not have such values, for instance, in the north in Kavaya, could, could have another development, but not Divyaka, because Divyaka has a biodiversity and a richness richness that, that should not lose. They should use this biodiversity and richness for enhancing their lifestyle and keeping their economy.
0: It should be a tourist attraction, but in a way that people observe it but don't touch it. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. something that should be drawing people and educating people rather than plonking a hotel in the middle of it.
1: Yeah, know? that's exactly it. Thank you.
0: So, what other, other threats are there in Albania to? The, the flourishing of bird life. You mentioned poisoning earlier. Can you tell
1: me a bit more about that? Yeah, I mentioned poisoning, but uh, it's not the only factor. Uh, indeed, what we see also from uh, bird figures is that there is a general decline of birds in terms of number of, uh, of birds. We see the tendency with water birds that we are monitoring since many, many years. And we believe that this tendency of decline is related to habitat loss and habitat degradation and also the uh, habitat use that has changed quite a lot compared with with the past but for sure we are seeing habitat loss and habitat degradation this is directly linked with the decline of, of of birds this is more evident in coastal area and it's somehow similar with all also other countries in the in the balkans where is a decline in the in the bird populations due to habitat loss and habitat degradation but it's not the only factor although it's a very important one there are also other factors threatening wildlife. Uh, one factor that we have been tackling uh, recently is the poisoning poisoning is indeed uh, let's say put for taking away large mammals that cause sometimes large or middle uh, medium and small mammals that cause damages or are harmful for the uh, e- the human economy for instance wolf can attack the sheep flocks etc or goat flocks in the in the mountains or a bear could do that and we had the jackal at the coastal area that uh, sometimes it's uh, it goes near the villages and uh, takes on with poultry and you have also other animals so uh, such large and medium and small mammals they could cause some damage to human economy. And therefore humans tend to to react. They wait first for the state to organize to do something. And since state is there, then take the matter in their hand and they put poison baits. And by poison baits, although they, they aim to to kill one particular species, since this poison bait is anonymous, it's it's non-selective, it could kill everything that it goes to it. And we have felt that this is a big problem for Albania, uh, for a lot of species, but particularly for eagles, vultures, birds of prey. And we have seen that in recent years, the number of eagles have been drastically reduced and poisoning could be one of the major factors. And for vultures, it is well known that it's a, 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 a very important factor in controlling their populations, let's say, or reducing their populations. And we had in the past, for instance, for instance, the breeding griffon vulture, we don't have it anymore. Colonies were spread in the south and the north and now are extinct as a breeding species, although we see a few individuals here and there. And we had also the bearded vulture, which had disappeared, extinct. And we also had the cinereus vulture, which it is almost extinct, although one or two individuals are seen here and there in a a year, but there are individuals coming from populations from uh, neighboring countries. And the only species we have is the Egyptian vulture, who still suffers from poisoning. It was uh, first a surprise to see that poisoning uh, spreads at such a a scale. We found that it spreads mostly in the areas where there are uh, flocks of uh, livestock, but The absence of wolves, the absence of large mammals, the absence of birds of prey, even in the northern part of Albania, suggests that poisoning, and people sometimes accept it, suggests that uh, the poisoning effect is very widespread and it's very harmful, particularly to the species I mentioned before. So first of all, it's understanding the issue, the problem, and we have managed to understand it. And uh, next, is reaction, reactions through legal framework. Already, some amendments of the law of fauna were made on, in two thousand nineteen that include now poisoning as a, as a crime, and mm-hmm. connected with the penal uh, or related with the penal code, it put people put that uh, po- poisoners under pe- penal, pe- penal penalties. And but there are also other things to do, and we are in a process. We are at the start of it, but we are in a process, and there is some progress at least to, to understand the the scale of the it sounds, problem.
0: It sounds like a complex issue. I mean, because if you have a farmer who has limited stock, limited uh, sheep, goats, whatever, they believe they're doing what they think is right to protect their livelihood. But at the same time, they're killing off something which is very important to the whole of Albania. So, I mean, criminalising it is a a good step. I don't know whether it's enforced, but I think there needs to be some kind of support there for the farmers as well. Because if they're losing their animals to wolves, to jackals, etc., they need some sort of support from the state. Um, in order to motivate them not to have to poison or put down poison, which they believe is the only solution.
1: Yeah, and you are totally right. And indeed, we are working on those uh, solutions. First of all, it's compensation for livestock lost due to attacks from wildlife, species, protected species of wildlife. The compensation has been foreseen in the law for the biodiversity conservation, I think, or low on fauna but unfortunately it's just uh, an article in the law that should be followed by bylaws and since the bylaws are missing nobody is taking care of this and and uh, livestockers they feel that they are abandoned and they react through their own methods so this should be tackled in order to have somehow similar solutions to other countries but it's not only reaching that by money by spending money, it's also by, by working with people to increase awareness and also to increase protection of their livestock through sustainable practices. Dogs, uh, electric fences, etc., cetera, uh, could, could, be, could, could be helpful. But also raising awareness about the impact of poisoning, it's also very important because sometimes people that use poison, they, they are not aware of the uh, domino effect that this uh, is poisoning is causing. So it's rather complex, and we are the start of it. It needs uh, awareness, it needs uh, institution. it needs institutions being involved, it needs institutional capacities, not only human uh, capacity, but also laboratory equipment, etc. But slowly, slowly, we are building something here, and we keep tend to, to continue with that. This is one threat that is widespread, and you had a particular interest, and that's why I, I spoke a bit about it. But there are also other threats. Other threats, for instance, the poaching or illegal killing of birds. It's uh, poaching. It's, uh, it's a problem on itself. Uh, Albania is among, the, in a study undertaken in uh, 2014, I think. Yeah, Albania is, um, is among the ten worst countries uh, with uh, IKB or illegal killing of birds records. We were the tenth in the list, but still, we were among the ten countries. Uh, uh, from from some twenty twenty something, mm-hmm. half of the damage was on passerines, on small birds that were usually shot by foreign hunters. And somehow the hunting moratorium stopped that, but still poaching continues. Although there is a hunting ban or hunting moratorium, and it still causes problems for uh, a lot of a lot of uh, bird species. And AOS um, is also engaged against the uh, this problem of illegal killing of birds. So we organized joint uh, field visits with authorities, we inform authorities, we organize training events, we organize awareness events against IKB, and it is also one of the uh, uh, areas that we are following. Another threat which is not uh, Uh, very much perceived up to now is the impact of energy infrastructure on birds. We don't have wind farms so we don't see it uh, easily now, Uh, but we still have lines in uh, protected areas, in important bird areas, and sometimes birds either collided with those lines or they do collide with those lines or sometimes they just are electrocuted because they perch on the on the top of uh, the dangerous power line. And this is also another issue that we are trying to tackle, and we are working with the uh, respective authorities for changing first their minds, uh, raising awareness about this problem, and then trying to find solutions together with them, like as um, artificial nests for white storks that we put in some places, and also uh, insulation of dangerous power lines, etc. So these are more or less, I said uh, habitat loss, habitat degradation, I said poisoning, I said I- I, uh, illegal killing of birds and also problems with energy infrastructure.
0: Now Going back to the poaching threat, I've in my many walks around Tirana and in El as well, I've come across shops that are selling wild birds um, of various kinds. In fact, I have a friend in Tirana who goes to these shops and she confiscates the birds um, that they're not supposed to have from them. She tells them off, she rehabilitates the birds and sets them free yeah. again. Are you aware of, of this as a practice happening? I mean, I know it's illegal for them to have certain types of birds in shops. Yeah. And What should people do if they see this happening?
1: Well, in, in, indeed, it's first for the authorities to react. This is a problem well known to AOS, and when we provided figures about birds losing their life through illegal killing methods, trapping of birds is one of those methods and trapping is happening in the bin and sometimes uh, those uh, uh, people use nets for trapping birds and they usually follow sock birds as a kind of uh, let's say tradition to keep them in cages and they sell it in the markets we estimated that at about 30,000 birds are trapped every year and they lose their life through this kind of uh, illegal commerce. We have informed the authorities on this. uh, We we found also where this was happening. We informed the authorities, uh, namely the environmental inspectorate. And unfortunately, they didn't react because they were, you know, so-called reform that uh, has lasted for quite a while. Um, And also we worked with the customs of, of, of officers. In order to inform them that this kind of traffic is happening not only in Albania but also uh, from Albania to other countries, and we keep working, with, we we'll keep working with them on tackling this this issue. So, what should people do? They should report to the authorities. Unfortunately, the authorities are not reacting, but maybe they will react in the in the future because now the structure of the inspectorate has changed a bit. And the inspectorate, uh, the, the bird crime, for instance, is considered also as a, as a crime by police. And if uh, environmental inspectors were together with police, that might, might make the action more efficient. So they should inform, that's what they, they should do. Inform the authorities, inform us, and we will try to, to, to react, as we have done in the past. We have uh, such an example. For, uh, ju- just just a moment. For instance, mm-hmm. we were informed once that a bus was going from Albania to Greece with three hundred of goldfinches, mm-hmm. and we informed the authorities. We phoned them. They fortunately reacted immediately. They captured the bus in no man's land, and birds mm-hmm. were then turned back to Albania and they were released by the by the, by the minister. So sometimes we have when we have had information, we have immediately reacted, and we will try to do the same.
0: That's great because I mean, thirty thousand birds a year. I mean, that's a staggering amount, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's
1: really that's you know,
0: That's, an that's, that's big. Very that's silent. our
1: estimation at the time. It might be even higher.
0: I mean, yes, yeah, certainly people should report them. As I said, if you see the if you see a pet shop selling goldfinches or other wild birds, you can report them anonymously. You're not going to get into trouble for doing it, but eventually the authorities will have to take some notice of yeah. these reports. Yeah, yeah. Um, my last question to you is um, to our for our listeners, for myself, what are things that we can do sort of day to day? What can we talk to our friends about, our family? How can we teach our children to um, sort of prioritise the preservation of our environment and to consider the environment of birds and other wildlife for future generations?
1: Well, we should be more connected with, with nature and unfortunately this is this is not let's say uh, let's say a model that is uh, being very much developed in albania you see young people staying more in the bars rather than uh, in nature and i believe that by increasing the number of people that use nature for exercising and other outdoor activities it will somehow somehow increase information increase pressure for conservation etc so my my suggestion is to, to make people visit areas outside of Tirana or other urban areas and enjoy the countryside. In the countryside, you find the calmness and also find the, the rich biodiversity. And in the moment you start appreciating it, you create a large group of people and that, that can bring to decision-making also. So I said, unfortunately, at the beginning, because I see that still the majority of people prefer to stay in bars and restaurants, but it's uh, but but it's uh, it's it's worth saying that I see at young people now, new generation, another way of living. They try to do more outdoor activities, and uh, this is really really helpful. So being at the countryside, watching birds, and uh, providing that kind of information to nature conservation geos or authorities, it's something that. Slowly, slowly will help to build a kind of public uh, awareness and help us in uh, in uh, in saving and in supporting wildlife.
0: Wonderful, and you know, getting outside, enjoying these spaces, appreciating nature. But I, I feel I have to remind people listening that we have to respect nature as well you know we we don't need to take our cars into the heart of a forest somewhere we don't need to we need to pick up our trash we need to be mindful of the noise volumes we need to respect what's around us as well because enjoying it is one thing but if you're not respecting that environment as well that's it's it's maybe even worse than not appreciating it at all
1: yeah but we do not let do not have to let this responsibility entirely to people because they have voted uh, they vote once in four four years for different uh, d- d- different decision makers and they should ask from the decision makers to take in account environment uh, because sometimes we th- we say people 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 but what the authorities are doing so the authorities have to work more on waste management integrated waste management they have to work more on nature conservation nature protection people should ask the authorities to do that so it's not only going outside, but also asking to your decision-maker, what have you done for environmental conservation and the environmental protection?
0: Because we are we are just caretakers, aren't we? You know this, I'm a firm believer that the, the countryside, the land around us, it doesn't belong to me or to you or to a politician, it belongs to the future generations. And it's our responsibility to preserve it, to take care of it and to appreciate it and to leave it intact for our children and their children
1: to enjoy. Exactly. So I, I, I can't uh, say n- uh, something else about this. It's uh, it's, it's environment <laughs> that belongs to all of us and uh, it's, it's a pl- public property. And we should consider this, mm-hmm. when we say public property, it's our property, it's not their property. So any decision-making yes. should be exactly. in favor of our property.
0: I agree 1,000%. Thank you. Taulant, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. I really enjoyed hearing about it. It's been fantastic. It's, it's great work you're doing and you're very interesting to talk to. And I look forward to following the work that the AOS does in the future.
1: Yeah, Thank you. And you are invited to, to, to join us. Sometimes we should do better in informing people. But please follow our web page or Facebook page. And uh, in the events that we organize, you are more than welcome.
0: Thanks for listening to the Explaining Albania podcast. You can stay up to date with our latest episodes on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and of course Anchor FM. Be sure to follow us on social media as well for upcoming episodes and articles on Albania and the region.